Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,223. Do or do not, there is no try. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from beautiful Austin, Texas, Christian Cranebuehl. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Let's get at it. All right. Christian Cranebuehl is the director of operations at Cobb Tuning. Cobb is an automotive engineering company dedicated to developing solutions that improve vehicle performance and the driving experience. They offer solutions for a wide variety of platforms, including Volkswagen, Subaru, Porsche, Nissan, Mitsubishi, Mazda, Ford, and BMW. Christian was born in an area of awkward clothing, we'll say, but pretty awesome music. Rocky was the movie of the year. Happily participated in the Generation X personal computer revolution. He eventually saw his way through college, graduating in business management. He started his first aftermarket shop when he was only 18 years old. And he's had the honor of helping Cobb grow from a small five-person company to the benchmark organization that it is today. So, Christian, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your career, your passion for automobiles, and, of course, a little bit about Cobb? Absolutely. You know, a a car person, as you'd say, um, always been into cars. For me, it's uh, one about the history, nostalgia, and then two, the technology and then I'd say three, the physics. Uh, you just learn kind of how the world works. So at a very young age, I remember pointing out the window of my dad's station wagon, say, hey, I'm going to drive that car when I'm 16. And I was 14 at the time, and it was a Honda CRX. And I, my dad's like, really? I'm like, yeah, that's that's it. That's uh, That car's a perfect compromise. Good gas mileage. It's sporty. It's going to do everything I need to do. It's not too expensive. Ever since there, I've just been immersed in the industry and done my best to continue to keep up and uh, help lead and participate where I can. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show, Christian, because uh, I've known about Cobb for a while. A lot of the car magazines I get, you guys advertise in. I've looked at what you guys do. But I'll let my listeners know and watch me on social media. My next door neighbor, uh, a lot of my listeners know, just bought a Ford Raptor. And he's ordered some things from you guys that he's going to install on his truck. And has asked me to come over and help. We'll do some little videos and stuff and kind of see what that does to an already awesome truck. I mean, the truck is incredible as it oh, stands. Yeah, Pretty darn cool. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has meaning for you. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires, in this case, smoking here on Cars. Yeah. So, Kristen, take the wheel. Sure. I'm a big fan of, you know, I guess Star Wars. So uh, do or do not, there is no try. Uh, So that's from Yoda. Uh, Again, if you're going to do something, do it wholeheartedly, do it with all of your effort. When people tell me, hey, I'll try to do that, I always, you know, kind of step back and I usually ask them, think about it. What I'm asking you to do is to accomplish something. Let me know how you want to accomplish it and let me know what help you need. But do or do not, there is no try from little Yoda. Little Yoda, such a wise little fella. You know, yeah. I love the fact that in that comment you just shared that a coworker perhaps or someone said, I'll try, that word try is fine, but it signals something, doesn't it? Immediately it goes, you mean you might not be able to succeed? Okay, what do you need to succeed? It's like when people say, 
I sure hope this works. I used to say, or I still say, there's no hope in business. It doesn't right. exist. You just have to go out and do it. Well, let's talk about that mantra with in relation to Cobb and what you guys do, because you guys are dealing in very high technology, things that have to work right, or you can really mess something up on these very expensive vehicles. How does that relate to how you go about the technology side of Cobb and the products you guys produce? Sure. So, you know, it's split into two parts. You can stick a part on a car, a part that's engineered to be better than the factory part, because all factory cars and OEs, they have a, a compromise, right? They've got a price point they've got to meet. They've got the engineers that understand the manufacturing processes. And so they'll design a part and it, it's going to work. And what we like to do is look at, you know, maybe take some F1 technology or some advanced engineering technology and say, if we apply this to this commuter car, can we make it perform better? That's the hard part side of it, right? We like to make hard parts that are better than factory parts. And then you have these advanced vehicles, the software side. So you you can actually blow up a car by sticking a hard part on it without recalibrating the ECU to understand it. And so for us, that's been kind of the the key ingredient for us is that we have this phenomenal hard parts engineering team led by Billy Brooks, one of our engineers that's been here forever. And I've known him since he was like 16 years old. And the reverse engineers and the software guys that are working on, you know, the protocols for communication and security, and then the calibration team that's kind of psychoanalyzing and doing some behavioral analysis on the CCU to understand how it was engineered to behave. And then we get in there and we're like, okay, we can enhance this and on some of the ECUs, we can actually add what are called CCF or Cobb custom features. And so we can create motorsports features and implement them on these ECUs from the factory. And that combination works phenomenally well because, you know, that's that's how you do it. You have the hard part that allows additional airflow in and out of the vehicle or helps cool it or whatever the part is designed to do. And then you have the software that's letting, you know, the engine know, hey, these are the parameters you can operate within. This is what you can do safely now because you've got some parts on you that'll cool you down a bit more than the factory parts or allow more airflow, et cetera. Yeah, very, very cool. It reminds me of, uh, I have an E46 M3 that's kind of a daily driver for me. I bought it new and it has a little button on the dash that says sport. And I remember the first time I drove that car, the salesman took me out and he was walking me through everything. And I'd heard of those before, but I'm like, what happens when you push this button? And he just smiles and he goes, try it. And it was incredible to me, the car became a different car, just, you know, instantaneously. And I remember my my son, when he was young, goes, Dad, can I push the sport button? And, you know, he'd push that thing and it just, it turned into this other monster. So that's the way I like to think about some of the things you guys are doing, is it brings another life into the vehicle, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Well, let's talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life? When you knew you were going to be a car guy, maybe different than the time you were riding in that car with your dad and said, that's the thing I'm going to drive someday. Honestly, that was literally it. Um, you know, my my parents, there was an automotive banter between them. So my father had a, a GTL and my mother would be like, you know what that means, son? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. What does GTO mean? She's been gas, tires, and oil. That's all he ever spends money on. <laughs> and so, you know, and it was a good, fun, friendly banter. But my mother always had uh, these really, now that I, you know, thought about it, really neat cars, a Volkswagen Beetle. She had a Toyota Celica Supra, you know, little sports car. She had Sobs, which are a quirky, you know, sw Swedish car. And we always just talked about cars. It was always something fun that we could do. And that was kind of my 
introduction into physics, right? Because my dad would explain to me kind of how this works. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. This is airflow and this is fuel and air-fuel ratio and all this. And it's it just fascinating to me. Very cool. Gee, and I always thought GTO meant goat. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Gas, tires, and oil. I love that. Yeah, pretty much. You deal with a, a super muscle car, I should say, like that. Well, let's talk about some challenges or maybe even a failure that you faced along the way that became an invaluable learning lesson. I know they're not fun when we go through these things, but they're really important because they teach us things if we look at them that way. And they can be really, really good experiences when you look back, not during the time, of course. But kind of walk us through one of those for you and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your business, your career, or your life. Absolutely. So we were fortunate enough to be invited to build a car for the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill. We were actually asked to build, I think, three vehicles, two BMWs. The BMWs are kind of this famous little group, Larry Webster, Cheba, Joey Han, a couple phenomenal race car drivers were driving that for this big promotional thing that BMW had at the time. They were diesels, et cetera. And then we had another vehicle that we were preparing for a Japanese driver that was flying in town. It was a Suzuki SX4. It wasn't turbocharged. They had asked us if we would turbocharge it and we'd you know, build it out. And so we bought a stock ECU, we bought a stock head, we did everything we could ahead of time to prepare, but we were literally going to be given five or six days to finish this car start to finish. And so that was an extraordinary challenge that, you know, when I showed up at the time, the throttle by wire was relatively new to cars. And so the car didn't have a throttle cable going out to the you know throttle body. And so it was just a lot of technical challenges. And it was a little devastating because the gentleman that kind of ran the race program, I had a bit of a conflict with him because I started to go through these parts. We spent, you know, sleepless days getting this thing ready to go. And it was time to get the race wheels on the vehicle. And I opened the box of these race wheels and I pull them out and they're demo wheels where they're shaved, they're cut in half. So you can see the form of it, but we needed to get the wheels on it to roll it, to do some test and tune and no, no go. And I I was like, you know, I looked over at this guy and he's a very well-respected, I'm not going to repeat any names, but I was are you effing serious? You know, I, yeah, I, I really? cannot believe <laughs> yeah. this. To me, just the, you know, you uh, the attention to detail, the, uh, you know, that the devil's in the details, that is really what matters. And we had just exhausted ourselves and we should have been a little bit more diligent. But, you know, from that point on, I vowed I will not make that simple mistake. You know, if our team's going to try and do something, I'm not going to try. I'm going to be very diligent. I'm going to look at these details and I'm going to understand aspects of this, whether it's logistics or whether it's the technical side, and make sure that we've enabled this team to succeed because failure is a phenomenal lesson. Don't get me wrong. One of my sayings, my father, you know, anytime something happened or did something stupid, he would just sit there and wait for a good pause and he'd say, did you learn a lesson? And then he wouldn't leave it there. He would then ask me what that lesson was, and I had to reiterate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, looking back on that very challenging time, and oh my gosh, I mean, that's a really compressed time period to do what you guys had to pull off. Is there anything you learned from that? I'm going to play your father here for a moment. Is there anything you learned from that experience that you would go, if you had to do it all over again, and you knew that, you had the knowledge that you would do differently? You know, I can't say that I would do yeah. The, the one thing I would do a little bit differently is I, I guess 
I don't want to say trust, but I would just be a little bit more diligent on my own to make sure that everything was what it was supposed to be. So it was a fairly short notice for the team to get invited down there. And like, I was literally trying to learn Japanese phrases so that I could speak with the driver and, you know, communicate. And so that was a whole bunch of effort. The technical side of things, you know, our fabricator at the time was building an exhaust manifold on this head. You know, we don't have the chassis or the engine. And when we got there, we took the manifold and stuck it on the head in the car and it hit a bracket. And so, you know, he looked at me and I'm immediately like, okay, how many hours is that going to take? And he gives me an ETA and I'm like, go. So we just had a lot of challenges. And so I think what I would have done is just spend a little bit more diligent myself, but all said and done, also, I could let it happen again and learn that lesson. And I'd be completely content with that. Ah, so this name. Thank you. Hi, so this. So this. <laughs> hi, hi. Well, I was made in Japan, so I got a little bit of Japanese in me somewhere, somehow. So, uh, okay, okay. Little known, little known fact about uh, Mark Green here, but uh, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your own personal first special vehicle and maybe share a memory about that ride. Sure, I've I've got I got three just because I'm a I'm a quirky guy, and I'll admit that some people will say eccentric, but super young, don't believe in debt. Wanted to buy my first vehicle. I couldn't afford the CRX, the one I pointed out when I was 14 years old. And so I just started to look at other vehicles and that just kind of opened it to anything with wheels. And it just so happens this ad for what's called a Yamaha YSR50, which back in the day is this two-stroke, little bullet bike looking oh, vehicle. Yeah. And I, I'm this six-foot lanky guy in high school. And literally, I, I pull up you know, and it's in Salt Lake City, Utah, so it's kind of cold. So it kind of felt like that dumber and dumber moment. We're on that little motorcycle and I'm freezing. But, you know, I get off and I kind of stretch it a little bit because it's a small bike and I set it to the side. So that was my first motorcycle. After that, the Honda CRX. And then I had this affinity for uh, the FJ Series Land Cruisers. And so those three, um, within, I'd say, the first two years of me getting my license were the vehicles that just absolutely loved. Well, three very different cars. I mean, very your your uh, background with cars is very eclectic because from that bike to a little Honda to the FJ, and of course, uh, multi-pass guest here on Cars, yeah, Jonathan Ward from Icon is smiling right now because uh, oh, awesome. he, he builds some absolutely insane FJs and some of the new stuff he's doing now. I saw online uh, last week a truck that he built, kind of a resto mod truck, if you will. That is just, I mean, Jonathan does stuff over the top, but uh, very cool cars. They all sound like different fun experiences. Is there a vehicle you've let go that you've had seller's remorse about? Oh, absolutely. It's more sentimental than anything else. So one of my buddies was our lead salesperson at the shop, and he unfortunately, he passed away. He had a heart condition. Um, We kind of say he died of a broken heart. But he drove down from Alaska. And so I had this shop in Salt Lake City, Utah. We were a reseller of these Japanese brands, Jun, Blitz. And so it was kind of unique. You know, the local paper had featured us. The you know, Fast and the Furious movie came out. And so it was, they were trying to tie it in. And I was like, no, we actually we race these cars. We, we don't go street race. We actually try to do this in a proper environment. We have a chassis dyno. You know, we do all this stuff. So, but he drove down and, and he had this thing, this vehicle called an Integra Type R. It's a very limited edition Integra uh, they built starting in yeah, 98 or 97, excuse me. So he shows up with this license plate from Alaska. And I happened to have a, a Type R as well. And then he and I hit it off. And I literally hired the guy as he was on a road trip from Alaska. And wow. his wife was, yeah. 
his, his wife was in the military and they were considering she was a air traffic controller. And so they were considering going elsewhere. And Hill Air Force Base is just down the road from Salt Lake City, Utah. And so she applied there. She got the position. And this guy became our lead sales guy a couple months later. Incredible story. I mean, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah. What a drive, too, from Alaska. That's uh, no mean feat. Yeah, he, he had that Type R uh, to follow up with that. Sorry about that. That was just the introduction. But he had that Integra Type R. And when he ended up passing away, he was still working for us. And so his brother and I, so I, I have both sides of it, the buyers and the sellers remorse. He and I kind of buy and sell it back and forth with each other. So he let me know some technical things he wanted done. And, you know, he wanted a standalone ECU in it and a couple other things. And so he sold the car to me and I took it in for a few years and I built it up a little bit and I sold the car back to him. It's been with him for quite a while because I had kids. And I mean, when you have kids, priorities change. But I think at some point in the future, I'll call him back up in Alaska and I'll say, hey, you know, what do you want to get done? And can I have the car for a little bit and go through that again? <laughs> nice way to uh, have some enjoyment. And then when things get a little dicey, okay, it's your turn to have it back for a while. Right. I'll just swap right. it back right. and forth. That's pretty funny. Unique story. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners more about Cobb, the different things that your company provides, what you do there, and why, if you love performance and you love augmenting, enhancing your vehicle so that it operates at a different level, Cobb is the place to go. Sure. You just got to think about, we call it tuning. So, you know, you're, you're young and you get to buy your own clothes and you get to do your own hair. And so you kind of tune yourself and then you get to buy this thing, car to drive you around. And, and for us, you get to individualize it it, you know, customize it and make it unique. And that's always been what Cobb has been about on the technical side is we wanted to make sure that it didn't just look aesthetically pleasing, right? But it actually performed well. And we were starting with high performing vehicles to begin with. And so what we do is extraordinarily technical and difficult. And like our access port, it's a device you reprogram the ECU and we've distilled it down to four buttons. And so we're taking a lot of very advanced technology and distilling it down, but it's all for driving enjoyment. Like, you know, I am not a fan of garage queens and I think it's appropriate for some vehicles, but man, you got to drive these things. They are meant to be driven. And it is just so much fun to kind of take the car from the factory and they've done a very good job and then just tweak it here or there or tune it and enhance its performance, whether it's, you know, acceleration, uh, braking, uh, shifting, flat foot shifting, like an advanced feature. Those are all things that just enhance the drive. And if you're going to drive, you might as well enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mentioned earlier, my neighbor with his Raptor, he just drove by, by the way, see you, Bill. I think he's heading off to the gym, (laughs) but, uh, so in the, in, let me give you an example. Like uh, my daily driver is a uh, 2005 E46 M3. The car is completely stock. Awesome car. Love the car. Bought it new. I, it's just one of those things that I've just, I thought I can't ever let this car go because it's just, it does everything. But it can always do a little bit more, right? So give me an example of how I would look at Cobb in relation to my E46 M3. Sure. So for us, we immerse ourselves in it. So we would purchase an E46 and then we would put it on our chassis dyno and we would measure its power output. We'd have the hard parts engineers, you know, take a look at it and try to kind of spot out some low hanging fruit, like what was a compromise from the factory and what could we do to enhance performance? Um, We happen to have an employee here that owns an E46. And so we'd probably go get him and be like, hey, what have you done thus far? How does how does it perform? What's like the single best thing we can do? So we like to find kind of bang for the buck. 
the access port does that phenomenally for the ECU and the transmission control side of things if it's available on that car. And then hard parts wise, uh, the data doesn't lie. You run it on the dyno, you run it at the track, you pull down the data, you analyze it, you make a part. So we've got a rapid prototype machine here. We may print a part, put it on the vehicle and literally run it with this printed part. And if it works as we'd expect, then the hard parts team works with some of our suppliers and or with the fabrication team and back and goes, all right, how are we going to make this? That's how it starts. And then, you know, we hold ourselves accountable. You, you, you can't sell something that doesn't enhance performance. And so that's something we've always prided ourselves on. And we make sure that we hold that true to our customers because, you know, if you're going to pay for something, it's got to work. Absolutely. Especially in this capacity. Well, I'll remind our listeners, if you've not been to the website, cobb.com, is that correct? Uh, Cobb Tuning, C-O-B-B-T-U-N-I-N-G.com. Perfect. Great. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Christian's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Check this out. And watch my social media here in the coming weeks because we're going to put some Cobb products on my neighbor Bill's Raptor and we're going to see what it does, how it feels. And I'll give a real honest uh, upfront commentary on what my experiences are with that vehicle. Uh, I've only driven it a few times. He drives it every day, but it's it's a kick tail truck. I mean, it goes fast. It's it's incredible. Yeah. You know, I'm... I'm... Not trying to plug us too much, but if if you search Cobb Tuning Raptor, we've got a video out. We have an in-house, uh, you know, uh, content crew. So this guy named Roger uh, films all these. He creates the scripts, and one of our guys, Mike McGinnis, is a driver. He's also a driver coach out of Coda on an occasion, and he races a wide-body GTR that's just ridiculous. Makes like 900 plus wheel horsepower. But these guys created this video, and it's a phenomenal truck from the factory, and so. So, you know, there are things that we aren't going to make any better, at least not much better for the little amount of money. And so what we've done is try to identify those parts that uh, Ford kind of makes a slight compromise on for cost or whatever. And we looked at it and that truck, most Fords, and this is a broad generalization, but they compromise on the intercooler. And so we had a core design that fit really well and works with a bunch of different bumpers and the intake. And yeah, that's what we've got and an access port. And we've got some more products that'll be coming out soon, but we kind of educate people on the path towards modifying. And so we want to make sure that we find the best bang for the buck. So we put together these stage packages so people can say, Hey, I want stage one, I want stage two, I want stage three. And we publish all the data on what they all do. And it's really up to you as to, you know, what you can afford and what you want to do with the vehicle. Very, very cool. Well, again, if you go to Christian Shono's page on the Cars yeah website, you'll see a great picture of he and his team uh, and a beautiful blue Ford Raptor uh, that they did some work on. So again, watch my social media in the coming weeks here. Or, uh, yeah, it'll be the coming weeks here, I think, because I've got to go off and shoot some some TV for the Cars yeah TV show. Uh, in the next couple of weeks. And when I get back, we'll do all that. Well, Christian, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, 
and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. MAV TV is also available on DirecTV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, we're back, Christian. And here's a very introspective question for you, kind of how you feel about yourself. If you woke up tomorrow, you're in the garage, and you were manifested into a vehicle, a bike, a car, a truck, whatever it might be, what would you be and why? So I've got some bias here, but I will be very fair. It would be a station wagon. I drive and own four station wagons. And I know that might be extreme for some, but uh, one of them is a 98 GF Subaru station wagon. It's called El Gallo. Built a race car so that we could rally cross with my wife. It's uh, an Instagram called Sober AF Racing. Um, she decided to get sober a few years back. And in order to celebrate that, I was like, I'll build a car for you because that's what I can do, right? And then we've got a 2005 Subaru Outback XT, which is basically the engine, same engine as an STI, and it's a manual transmission. And my wife loves driving a manual. And so that's one of our other cars. And then I have a 5 Series BMW station wagon. And uh, one of my dream cars, uh, a E55 AMG Mercedes station wagon with the rear-facing seats. Oh, yeah. And so... <laughs> I would be manifested as a station wagon. I grew up with my father driving a station wagon his whole life and had the rear-facing seats, the extraordinarily unsafe, you can roll the window down by yourself and back. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And I've got stories, which we'll wait for a later time, where we used to camp quite a bit. And you know, I, I remember we would drive down these washboard roads and my brother and or sister, I would be out the back of the car at 30 some odd miles an hour. And my dad's, you know, swinging the back end around and horribly unsafe, but it was a phenomenal memory. So I, I would be a station wagon and it would be something similar to like the, you know, Volvo uh, T5R, the Mercedes AMG station wagons where they still are reliable and perform well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like you're a station wagon, Christian, for sure. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. We had uh, Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser station wagons in the sixties when I was a kid. And uh, aside from our, my sister and I being able to sit in the back, uh, having those windows above us with our own little visors, you know, because they had the glass up above, kind of like the old VW buses, we thought we gotcha. were the coolest thing. Yeah. But uh, That's so cool. Wagons for Kerr. Yeah. And the Mercedes, I got to drive a brand new Mercedes wagon a couple months ago, the AMG. I mean, oh my gosh. I, I just remember driving that car and every time you went around a corner, one of the bolsters, the side that you would tend to lean yeah. against, would inflate. 
yeah. to hold you it's- in place. And and the guy was with me. I go, what's going on with the seats? And he goes, isn't that cool? It just hugs you. <laughs> I thought it was great. My vehicle has that option. It's called dynamic seating. And so I literally press a button and it takes input from the steering wheel and, you know, yaw the vehicle. And so if you're turning left, it knows you're going to slide left. And then the mechanical bolster comes in and says, nope, I got you. Right. You're going to turn, you know, it's just, it's hilarious. It's phenomenal. It's a little, it's great. a little bit of a hug from your car. Yeah, you got to love it. I think it's great. Right. Well, we're up to the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give me some quick blips of that station wagon throttle as we go through these. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Honestly, realistically, stay within budget. Set a budget. Um, don't destroy yourself building something. I've seen a lot of people do that. And uh, just be realistic. If you can't afford to do what you want to do, you can always have a dream. You can always have an ambition. Just be realistic, to be fair. Just that's what I would say. Be realistic. Yep. Great advice. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I'm a big fan of practicing yoga and meditation. You've got to take the time to make sure that you yourself are organized. You've slept well. You've got all your to-dos taken care of. You make sure the critical things are addressed and uh, then you're ready to take on the world because the world can be fast. It can be cruel. Uh, so just take the opportunity to kind of slow yourself down intentionally and make sure you're you're doing the right things with the right people. And taking care of yourself. You know, y- your comment strikes heart because I'm reading a book right now. My son gave me um, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. And his second chapter talks about the importance of taking care of yourself. And why some people don't take care of themselves. And I won't go into all the in-depth parts, but it really struck a chord with me and how he basically at the end says, you are worth it. Why people will take so much better care of other people, like if they're sick or whatever, than you will take care of yourself. Or they'll take so much better care of their dog or their cat. Make sure they get all their medications. They get the right healthy food. And then they don't take their medications. They go to a fast food joint and they don't take care of themselves. So, uh, yeah, that struck a chord with me. Uh, take care of yourself. You are worth it. And people who love you feel the same way. You are worth it. So, <laughs> excellent. All of us serve multiple roles. We are multiple hats. And so, I can go to work and I can completely exhaust myself in a 10 or 12-hour day. But then if I go home and my kiddos, you know, they greet me at the door. They, you know, want to do something. A kid wants to throw a football and he wants me to do some scrabble with her, you know, wants me to do some paintings or drawings. I can't do that if I exhaust myself. And so you just have to step back and be very conscious. When I'm at work, I have to absolutely take care of everybody. I need to work hard. So you have to care. Your work to perform, you yourself have to contribute. You have to make sure you're doing what you can to make the place a better place. Same thing when you go home. If you're exhausted, your kiddos aren't going to understand what that is. They're just going to be like, you know, dad came home and he passed it on the couch. People talk about the work-life balance. I just see it as if you're at work, you need to perform well, right? And as you go home and you're a father, a husband, or whatever you have to be, you have to be the best that you can be. So make sure that you're very intentional with what you do. And that's, that's where the meditation and the yoga helps out. Great advice. I could use some of that advice myself. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you find very compelling, fun, or exciting? Yeah. So I, I'm a geeky tech type. So um, I, I like checking out the Moto IQ website. You know, I do like some nostalgia. Uh, a bunny of mine heads up a shop called JDM Legends that I'll check out. And then I, I also like Jalopnik, which is, you know, I just love the humor when it comes into looking at automobile things where 
they ask these esoteric questions and then they answer them with like no BS answers. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. So those are some sources that I like to rely upon. Great resources. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? It would be Henry Ford. And I would get into the the micro and the macro, like, hey, you know, this assembly line thing and hey, this, you know, supply stream and, you know, hey, this management and then, hey, this living wage thing. And now you've got this demand with people that have money and now you've created demand with the people that make these cars by paying them more. And did you understand that you were going to do that and create some hopefully long-term discourse or resolution for uh, what we kind of see in today and every once in a while when it talks about, you know, the teachers going on strike and et cetera, and making sure that the valuable people in this world, which I would consider a teacher to be very valuable, why aren't they making as much as an NFL player? Nothing against the NFL, but you get what I'm saying is that uh, we should cherish those people that are trying to make this world a better place and make sure that they're getting paid reasonably well to do so. Absolutely. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, maybe one for entertainment, uh, How to Get Rich. Uh, I think it's by Felix Dennis, the guy that uh, heads up Maxim Magazine. It's more for humor. He's a Brit. He's got this phenomenal humor. He's got these stories with John Lennon, etc. It's not my desire to be rich, but it was a book suggested to me. And as I've been reading it, it's pretty phenomenal. I'd say The Five Love Languages, again, just like a, a personal thing just trying to make yourself better, understanding that, and then uh, joint custody with a jerk. So I've got a few <laughs> friends. I've got a few friends that are going through a divorce and a separation, and they've asked me to, you know, be within their network and to help and support them. And so I'm, I'm educating myself on what I can do to be supportive and help them. And it's really all said and done. It's just a communication book. That's really all it is. It's good. It's, a, it's got a witty title, but it's a communication book on a, how to communicate better. Well, you know, that's the key. I When I was working at my previous career for 20 plus years, I used to say to folks where we were having difficulties, communication is the key to our success. And the lack of communication is the reason for our failures. And it was always that way. Whenever there was trouble going on, it's because two people were not communicating well. One wasn't listening. The other wasn't listening. They both weren't listening. They both were talking too much. Uh, it's the same, you know that, with relationships, with friendships, whatever it is, communication is so important. I, I could not agree with you more. Every failure that I have ever seen is just a simple lack of communication. Again, whether it was listening or whether it was the you know communication or trying to get out the intent. We've actually, at Cobb, we created these Cobb core values, which we're doing our best to instill that in people so that you don't have to, you know, go ask anybody. You just kind of read this wall and go like, okay, we can handle this. And the very first Cobb core value is no BS. It's actually zero BS. And we're just doing our best to make sure that as you communicate, it's with intent, it's very direct, and it's not, you know, not to hurt anybody's feelings. You just, you want to be effective when you're starting to communicate. And that also means listening. And that's, yeah. It's all part of communication. Yeah, that's why I love Stephen Covey's uh, book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. My favorite is his fifth one. First, listen to understand, then speak to be understood. He elaborates on that, of course, in much more depth than what I just said. But uh, yeah, anytime uh, my wife and I might butt heads, it's usually because I'm not doing a very good job communicating. Uh, I have to stop and go, okay, I I understand now why you're frustrated with me. Okay, let's try this again. So uh, 
I guess it's worked after 35 years of marriage, but uh, I, I'm still, she's still trying to rub all the, the thorns off of me, I think, over all this time. So, no, I'll, I'll absolutely uh, congratulate you. No question. That is commendable. That is amazing. Yeah, it's, it, you are a better person due to your significant other, your spouse, your partner. There's no question. They, they hold you accountable. And I, I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Jill does for me. She's way smarter than I am. So she keeps me on my toes. That's for sure. So uh, I took my mom's yeah. advice. Marry, marry a woman who's smarter than you. She'll always have you reaching higher uh, for a higher bar. And that's certainly the case. Well, I'll, find, I'll let our listeners know that you can find all these great resources on Christian's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. And I'm going to spell Christian's last name since I butchered it so terribly at the beginning of the show. K-R-A-H-E-N. B-U-H-L. And I'm going to have you say that for me one more time. Sure. It's a Christian Cranbule. And to be fair, I've had that name pronounced once correctly my entire life. And so that's fine. It's, 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 it's just difficult. A fine Swiss name for sure. All right, Christian, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet, but there's a couple rules to this game. One is, Well, this rule you've got down, you have to drive it, no garage queen. So that's an easy one for you. The second one is a little tougher. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You've got to keep it. So you're going to be stuck with this. So choose wisely. And the last one is it's the only cool collector car you can have in your garage. That makes it even harder. So choose wisely. I I whittled it down to five cars early in my life. And I've, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I've, yeah, I've acquired and owned two of those five. Uh, Whether or not I'm capable of getting the other three, we'll, we'll never know, but I'll, I'll shoot for it still. I've got that ambition. I'd say a Mercedes-Benz CLK GTR Supersport. So this is one of those, hi, I'm a manufacturer and I want to race in this race series, so I'm going to homologate. I'm going to build this car. And so these are these really low, super wide-bodied Mercedes-Benz, and they it came with different engine variations. This one has a normally aspirated V12, and it's just one of those vehicles. I don't know how many are in existence now. I'm, I'm pretty confident it's going to be you know uh, mid 20s or less on the different variations that they had. But it, it's one of the vehicles that you you hear the engine, you hear the brakes, you hear the transmission. It's not overwhelming in any one particular aspect, and it's just one of those cars that made an impression on me. Like many, my generation will have the Countach or the Ferraris with those lines and the Mercedes-Benz CLK GTR. And uh, that that's the one that I would have. Oh, my goodness, man. Yeah, insane car. Those are made 97 through 99, I believe. Uh, they participated in the 24-hour Le Mans. I mean, sports car, racing cars. I mean, those things were just wicked. Wicked fast cars. They just look fast sitting still. So uh, definitely. Did they ever make any of those for the street? Like they did the Porsche, like the GT, I think it was the GT1. Absolutely. I want to say they made, they started out with like 20, I believe, you know, to get that homologation. I think that's the number. And then they offered a a Cabriolet version, you know, and then they offered the Supersport version after just with an updated engine. So yeah, they're they're out on the road. They can be made road legal. Um, I'm not sure about the US, but again, that would be the car that I would have, and I would be the guy that drove it to the local grocery store. And I, I would not have a problem with that in any way, shape, or form. There you go. I'll be happy to find you one of those. I'll get right on that for you, all right? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Christian, you've taken me on an awesome ride today, an enhanced performance ride, which I knew we would have today. 
I've really enjoyed getting to know you better, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the Texas sunset in that Mercedes CLK GTR Super Sport? Absolutely. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people that you work with and make sure that you exhaust yourself doing so. Cobb itself would not be the company that it is without the people that are here. I literally am a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, but we would not have accomplished what we'd have accomplished without the you know hundreds of people that have worked here, and I greatly appreciate that and the, all the work they put into it. Very cool. And again, what's the best way for people to learn more about Cobb Tuning? Easiest is you can search Cobb Tuning on YouTube, obviously. Uh, go to our website. We've got a phenomenal content team, uh, Facebook. Just type in, you know, Cobb Tuning and any t- particular vehicle that we work on, and you'll see all the videos and the content that we've created. And our website's pretty fancy. I like it. And it's set up to kind of guide you through that modification path, even if you're not a car person, but you find something that you get in and it excites you and you want to make it more exciting, then we can absolutely help you out with that. Absolutely. And I'll remind our listeners, it's Cobb, C-O-B-B, tuning.com. I'll make sure I put links to that on Christian's show notes page on the Cars Yet website and all the great things Christian has been so kind to share with us today. Christian, thanks again for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yet audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.